Well, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. This is Candice Horvath, also known as Eva Lobia, who uh, previously did adult film and now is into podcasting. Do you want to do you want to explain kind of what you do now? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to talk with you. Um, so I still kind of self-produce a little bit for OnlyFans, but it's very different than when I was doing mainstream adult work. I have a podcast that I launched during like the height of the pandemic. I think with a lot of people, that's what we did. We had all of this time and energy and we wanted to be heard. Um, and then right now I can't talk a ton about it, but we're kind of developing something in the decentralized app space for creators. So basically, um, we see a problem and based through my experience with, uh, adult, adult content specifically is not having ownership over your material, which can be really troublesome, especially if something happens on set or if you're not okay, or if there was a question about consent, um, just like there's a lot of question marks. So having ownership over your content is really valuable. And I think when OnlyFans launched, it really showed creators what our true worth was and that we were kind of being lied to for a very long time about what that was. So um, just having something that's very creator forward, creator friendly, and um, hopefully will like disrupt the space. I love the the view of like knowing how much you're actually worth because that's so fucking true. That literally is what OnlyFans offered. Uh, was there a point like when did you exit the porn industry like for like to do your own content? Like was what time was that? It was around 2016. Um, I feel like that was, yeah, I think 2016 and then 2017, I had a couple magazines come out, but again, like that was, it's pictorial. So it wasn't anything, um, hardcore, anything like that. And I was nominated for a bunch of stuff, but I was already on my way out and terrified, but it just kind of like knew it was the right decision. Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. age did you, sorry, I like, I'm so going to be so curious about this. Um, just like what age like you entered and like your experience within it. I just find it so fascinating. Oh boy. So I <laughs> kind of ran the gamut when it came to the adult industry. I've done a, pretty much every facet of the fil- of film. So I started off webcam modeling and it was super tasteful, implied, very um, like I like eased into it. And I didn't really like the live interaction. Like that was a little bit too chaotic and stressful for me. Um, and there's no quality control. Like you can't control who's coming into a chat room or the things that people say to you. And I was just not having it. I was like, there was just mm-hmm. a lot of comments that I didn't want to deal with. So I was like, okay, well, this isn't, this isn't making me happy. What I really want to do is film. I have no idea how you break into it. And this is kind of, Instagram's kind of popping off at this time, but it's nowhere near what it was at its peak. Obviously, OnlyFans didn't exist. So you had to kind of have more traditional routes of entry when it came to film. So I was like, well, what sites do I like or what stars do I watch and like, where are they filming? So I found a couple people that were like these really big companies and then there's like a contact us on the bottom. So I'm like, let's just do this. And I was like, do I audition? Do I send in photos? I don't really know. And they're like, do not audition. If someone's telling you to Mm -hmm. audition, like that is a red flag. That's not a thing. I was like, okay, whoo. So there's that. Um, I sent them my photos and they wanted a picture of my ID and flew me to Florida. And I started with just kind of girl, girl content again, because I was just trying to figure out and navigate the industry. Is this something I really want to do? And to me, 
my justification was like, if I do girl, girl, that'll be more socially acceptable. And if I back out, that won't have so many consequences. That is not true. Um, I know you think that because you're like, it's not as intense, but basically the people that are going to close the door, write you off are going to do it regardless, even if it's like a webcam. So, um, I guess like that didn't really protect me in, in any regard, but, um, I did the girl, girl for a while. And eventually I was like, okay, I want to do the big productions, like the scripts and the really big movie parodies. And to get your name to the next level, you kind of have to do boy, girl, the industry was kind of getting more and more and more extreme. So, um, the more tame your content was, the less successful you were going to be. So I was like, well, I want to see how far I can like really push this Eva brand. Like, where can I take it? So I did boy, girl for a few years I was mostly contracted and I guess like through the turn of a bunch of different events and like bad experiences I was like this is not where I want to be maybe I had evolved maybe the industry was evolving or maybe we were kind of evolving past each other but I was just like this isn't um, a representation of like where I want my energy to be or my future or my brand so I kind of left and started self-producing and then here we are yeah damn what was like your experience um, webcamming? Also, I don't know if this sounds so weird, but like I literally seen so many of your videos. And <laughs> no, I don't know if that sounds so weird. No, but no, I, no. That's I get that why a I was lot. like so. Yeah, I'm sure you do. I, that's why I was like so down to have you on this podcast because also too, I love that you also podcast and you also like just completely like kind of transformed yourself and you do so much. But you were like. I don't know. This is like kind of weird to say. You're like the fucking hottest like adult film star I've ever seen. Like literally. So oh, thank well, you. <laughs> well done. <laughs> no, no, I get that a lot. I think um it's kind of like it's cool to hear that because that's kind of why I started the podcast and I want to be like a, a good role model for people like me, right? There's not a lot of women that are going to be on the extreme side of that bell curve when it comes to sexuality, and that's totally fine. But for the ones that are, I want to say that there's a safe way to do it. And at like once you make that decision, you still can have the happily ever after. Like you can't, you can't let anyone tell you what you're worth, what you're going to be denied, and set your limitations for you. So. I started the podcast. I had a cooking stream channel for a while. I was partnered with Twitch. Um, I'm married. I've got two babies. Like you can have the life that you want and you can't let anyone tell you that you don't deserve it because you made a decision that they think is inappropriate. What was kind of like the main like reaction from society or from certain occupations that like really struck you the most that you realized like, oh shit, like this isn't like really accepted everywhere. Like what kind of hit you the hardest? Uh, So I knew it was going to be controversial. Like I wasn't that naive about it, but to the extent was still surprising. So I had lifelong friends that, you know, were like, I can't be seen with you to speak to you or have you in my life anymore. I've had family members that I still don't talk to because of it. And it might not even necessarily be because of them, but maybe someone that's close to them, like maybe someone that they're dating um, or their friend group. And that pressure makes them make a decision to cut you out. I've had my husband um, turned down for multiple like awards and grants with his work because he's married to me and he's never been in film. So strictly just because he's married to me, he's lost a lot of business opportunities and I thought that was really shitty. Um, What's your husband's job? 
So he's an investor. Mm-hmm. So all over the place. Like right yeah. now he's doing a lot with like psychedelics and Web3. But at the time he was doing um, like what it's called like a third space. So essentially community building within like brick and mortars, like restaurants and bars. Um, but yeah, he like there'd be some pretty big names in town like that come from big big money, like old school. We're in the South, like old, old money. And they would go around town and be like, you cannot be associated with these people. They're terrible people. You know, she did porn and kind of like tried to like smear and slander my name. And he, I've never even met this guy. So yeah. to me, I'm, the links that people will go to because they're so insecure and scared and they don't want to explore that side of them is kind of astounding because they say people are a mirror, right? So when you look at someone, you're kind of seeing the things about yourself that you, you, you like or dislike. So if someone's charging you that much, I would say that there's like a level of introspection that you have not done. And that obviously has nothing to do with me. Um, but it sucks because that does affect my family. Yeah. Damn. I, I love like your kind of, you've like, kind of delved into psychedelics and I can kind of hear like just the way you talk is like <laughs> is, I love it like just like that's such a mature reaction to um that kind of like pushback from somebody like how long did it kind of take you to kind of graduate into this like spiritual realm where you just like are more secure with yourself and kind of in that footing or were you always like that Oh God, no. I feel like I'm still working at it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like every single day you want to try to be even like a percentage better than you were the day before. But I was, oh my God. I feel like there's this saying, if you look back like five or 10 years and you're not utterly embarrassed, then you (laughs) you haven't been doing the work. Yeah, You know what I mean? So that's part of the process of growing and evolving. But I mean, the person that I was 10 years ago or 20 years ago, I'm like, oh, I wish my older self was there to help guide you and and teach you like how to process and interface with with the world. Because I was filled with anger and jealousy and Mm -hmm. like constantly blaming, like no accountability whatsoever. Um, like victim of my circumstances, you know what I mean? Like, I'll be like, well, this was my childhood. Well, sure. That's, that's great. But there's also this saying that there's no orphans after 21. So it's kind of like, no matter how shitty your childhood was, you have a responsibility to yourself and to your community, um, and to your, you know, your family and your future self to kind of break through that. And to yeah. elevate through that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's ongoing. And I think a lot of it is like my husband has been just like a solid rock for me. Like he has been there through thick and thin and constantly pushing me to do better. And it's like once you kind of open up that space and all of a sudden you find things start coming to you like books or podcasts or maybe mentors, like they fall into place and you're like, okay, like this is, there's some kind of force pushing me to be better. And if I'm open to it, I can be. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, that does. I I like that, especially being embarrassed after like four years of growth or just like figuring something out within yourself and like being like embarrassed that you lasted that long. You know, I get that all the time. Like every time, (laughs) like it's so, but it's great. Um, in terms of like, I have so many questions. I'm going to be like jumping all over the place, but, um, what was it like? Like, um, like, I love that your husband is like such a solid person in your life. Like, and as you were talking, I was kind of wondering, like, 
was it like weird dating? Like, did you feel like there was people like, cause I'm sure you got so many guys that were just like fans of you and just like, kind of like, or creeps just like that whole, that all exists. Even I get that. And like to, to not, I'm sure to the degree that you did. So how did you kind of like navigate dating and did it bother you if someone had like seen your videos or like liked your videos or how did you kind of do that? So I started dating my husband as I was entering all of this. We definitely had up, ups and downs throughout the process because we were both trying to navigate like our own boundaries within it and then our boundaries as a couple within it. So there were times where we were in an open relationship. There were times where we weren't even talking. So we would go like weeks without talking and I was in LA and he was on the East Coast and we were just trying to like figure out what are we going to do with this. Um, so, I mean, I had gone on like dates with other guys and he had, you know, been with other women. Eventually we found each other again, but it's hard. It, it's intoxicating and it might sound really superficial, especially to someone who hasn't been there. Like you have, cause you have a really big platform. So I'm sure, um, like this will resonate with you, but when you see these people that you had always like looked up to, or maybe you were fans of them and all of a sudden they're trying to grab your attention, it's intoxicating. Mm -hmm. And you're like, wow, maybe I am something special. And maybe I am this really great, wonderful thing. And you start to get this inflated self identity that's definitely not going to serve you, but it seems more real and it becomes more real than the real you, especially if you have a fictitious name. Like you'll see this with a lot of adult um, performers is their real identity kind of slowly starts to atrophy. And then the stage name becomes this hyperinflated thing, kind of like a monster, but you mm -hmm. don't even know that the real you isn't grounded. Like you, there's no social network. You don't have friends outside the industry. Maybe you don't have family outside like that supports you. So that kind of starts to just disappear and all you're left with is this other thing. So you kind of have to make a decision. There's going to be like this kind of fork in the road where you, at least for me, there was like the pain of accepting that I'm not this great thing, that I'm just like everybody else. And those likes and followers don't matter. Like what truly matters is like how much I'm loved and how loving I am like to the real people around me. Or I could lean into this monster and I could have all these glitzy things and hang out with all these blue check marks. But like, what does that really mean? So for me, I kind of had like this coming to God moment. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, this isn't real. These people don't care about me and this is all going to go away. I need to invest my time into the person that I truly love and truly loves me. And that's my husband and that's my family. And that's my life outside of LA. Yeah. Um, so I kind of made that conscious decision to, to like separate, like don't let the likes go to your head and don't let the criticism go to your heart and really spend that time with the things that matter, but it's hard. It's really yeah. hard. So damn you. So you were with your boyfriend throughout that whole process. Mm -hmm. damn. So when did you guys meet? Like what age? I was 21. So I had already been webcamming, but that was okay. it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you guys have been together for like how long now? Like when did you guys get married? We got married in 2015. Okay. Oh guys, you guys have been married for a while. Yeah. Damn. Going on seven sweet. years. <laughs> Damn, that's sweet. How old are your kids? 
um, two and just a few months. Oh my God. You're like a new mother now. Yeah. Damn. I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> how, how old are, or sorry, what are their names? Um, I don't do their names just because oh, okay. people are no, creepy, fair. but that's yeah, fair. I wish I could. I, I follow other people and they share like the day in the life of, and I love seeing their kids, but I'm like, I feel like I attract some really crazy people and I don't know why. Like right now there's this one guy. And I've blocked him and he keeps making new accounts. He's keeps sending and publicizing fake passports and um, like fake driver's license, but they, of they look convincing except for the photo is like a glamour photo. So it's clearly not a passport <laughs> yeah. photo or a driver's license photo, but everything else looks pretty legit. Um, is he, is he doing it of, of you? Like he's yeah. taking like your photos? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And he's posting it everywhere. I've had someone make um, a passport for one of my children, what they thought it was. Cause like, I don't post their face or anything on mm-hmm. social, but they found like this Korean baby and like, I'm not even Korean and everyone knows my husband's white. So like mm-hmm. it would not be our child, but like, <laughs> you know, this Korean baby passport and then my passport and saying that I'm stuck in Ghana and like, why are all this money? Like it gets nuts. So yeah. Unfortunately, I have to like hide them from social. Yeah, no, that's that's probably best, honestly. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame. <laughs> it's it's a shame that you have to hide like anything. Like even like there's some baby photos I won't post because I'm just like, who knows like what people are gonna do with these? Oh kind my of god, thing. yeah. That's you just smart. it's just like that kind of world out there. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. I liked what you were saying about um, kind of like your stage name taking precedence like over your life because that's such an interesting like situation to go through that not many people are going through. And I, I have friends who are in porn and like still do it and, or do only fans and they like have a stage name and um, whatnot. But like, was there any times like, like where you just kind of like, like you kind of like alluded to this, but like where you just dropped Candace completely and like, you were just completely Eva, like that was it. And like every person you introduce yourself to and like, was that just your life, I guess, at a point? Oh, for sure. Especially when I was in LA and you had this idea that there was anonymity as long as you preserved, um, like you were only Eva, no one would ever find out that you were Candace and you just kind of mm-hmm. had to, to stick with that. So every room you went into like, hi, my name's Eva. And, um, it's a really small industry. Even there's like a lot of crossover too with mainstream. So you'll see everyone, you know, producers, directors, whatever at these parties, um, you're maybe meeting a celebrity and that's how you introduce yourself. And again, because that profile has, you know, a hundred X the engagement and following of maybe your real one. You're like, okay, well this is really me. I'm really the one that looks gorgeous all of the time and has all these airbrushed photos and, you know, a million followers or whatever. And it's just so fake, but it's really hard to identify that, especially when you're getting constant like social rewards for it. Right. Yeah. Like everyone's praising you and everyone wants to meet you. And there again, it becomes so inflated. So it's really hard because it's they say like the fish is the last one to see the water. So like oh, if damn. you're in the middle of it, you have no idea. It almost takes a pain point and again, kind of like a, a decision or a fork in the road where you're like, okay, what do I really want? And I'm gonna see this path through. Yeah. What what was kind of the catalyst to exiting? So I believe in 
kind of like an intersection of fate and free will. Like I think those both exist. And I think that for everybody, we get signs throughout our life when we're kind of going off course a little bit. So you'll get like a little nudge and maybe something will happen and you're like, Mm, is that a coincidence? And then that coincidence kind of gets louder and bigger and more dramatic. And you start to have more of like this cascade of negative um, experiences, maybe is the right way mm. to put it. So for me, so I have a couple like autoimmune issues and one of them is polycystic ovarian syndrome. So you tend to get like a ton of cysts on your ovaries and it can be stress related. It's hormones. It's your body kind of attacking itself and there's not really like a solution for it. So every time I would book a flight to go out to LA to shoot, the cyst would pop up and it was literally mm. the size of a lemon at one point. And they're like, on, well, like if inside you, of you. Yeah. On oh, like damn. on your ovary, like you could, okay. it was so big. You could feel it like over my abdomen oh, That's um, and super painful. And like, there's nothing you could do. It has to kind of burst on its own. Mm -hmm. So they're like, well, and my doctors all knew the line of work I was in. I think transparency is really important for health reasons. So, you know, like everyone knew I was in that line of work and they're like, well, if you're doing a scene, especially with someone that's larger, it's very po possible that they could burst it. And if it bursts the wrong oh way, essentially, you could go to the hospital. Yeah. I couldn't work with it. And it just kept happening. I think it happened like three times in a row. And then I had two contracts where like Wait, they you, were you had it pop like three times in a row or you had that kind of come up three times in a row it came up three times in a row and kind oh, okay. of like went away on its own yeah um but they're like it can it can burst if you're on on a set so like they, they were like we do not advise that you that you shoot so i would cancel my shoot and this happened three times um i had a couple contracts going on at the same time and those weren't being fulfilled by the company and there's nothing you can do. Like these are all essentially non-binding. It's just more of like a, a more formal handshake. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing I can do if like you don't execute on your end of the bargain. So like that wasn't working out in my favor. Um, I started to see like a lot of toxic behavior between like peers in the industry. I no longer was really feeling safe on set as far as like STDs went because like, yes, we test and they we test every two weeks, but now it's becoming more, not even acceptable, but more expected to have what they call as crossover. So like there's um, like gay performers that are now transitioning into straight porn because like they want to get more famous or mm -hmm. um, get paid more, whatever it is. Like they just, they kind of go back and forth and the testing is different for each industry. So then that kind of raises your risk of catching certain STDs. Yeah. Um, and then when all of the top performers are doing that and they're not disclosing it anymore because now they say, well, it's not your business or that's um, like homophobic. Like they try to kind yeah. of make you the bad guy when all you want to do is have informed consent about who you're having sex with. Right. And I don't yeah. think there's anything wrong with that. So um, those lines started to get more blurry and I was like, I don't feel comfortable. I think there was like four HIV scares while in like that 12 months or maybe like 16 months. And I was like, I just need to get out. Like to me, that's not worth it. Um, I'm like sitting here, I'm like begging for my scene rate. And then you're telling me that I'm a diva and I'm not worth it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if maybe today's the day I go on set and I catch something I can't get rid of. Like it just wasn't worth it to me. So all of these signs kind of com like compounded and I was like, why can't I do it myself? Mm -hmm. I'm just going to do it myself. So I left, I started self-producing 
I was um, like, I was paying for these huge sets and like big stars for my website. And I was seeing a huge return mm-hmm. and then only fans happened. And th- then everyone was like, holy shit, we have been lied to this whole mm-hmm. time. You're telling me I'm worth $600 a scene and I can make that in a couple of hours on OnlyFans. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? So these women were starting to see how predatorial these companies were and they were just starting to define their own value. And they're saying like, no, I'm not going to beg for 600 bucks. I'm going to go create my own content that I own, that I have complete um, agency over. I'm not going to be pressured to do things I don't want to do. And at the end of the day, if I want to delete everything I can, and then you hopefully, you know, you can hire someone to wipe everything that people have screen recorded. But the point is, is no one's going to be monetizing off of your body except for you. And I think that that's amazing. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, the amount of money you can make on OnlyFans is like truly so tempting to me even. Um, It's just like so much money. Like the, like the bad baby girl made like, like $27 million or something like that. Like, but that's so unusual. Like that's very rare. Yeah. Yeah. But even so, like, it's just like, um, like, I, I guess it's kind of more exclusive to girls. Like I'm sure like guys can totally capital off of it, but, um, like for girls, like specifically, like this has been such a, like kind of safety net in a weird way that like girls can control their own money and make their own money and like support themselves like in totality, which is insane. Um, which is, which is awesome. I think Instagram is going to try to do that. Like some sort of some subscription based thing. Um, but OnlyFans has definitely, um, changed the like adult film industry completely. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say like between now and like when you started, like what has changed in the industry? Like, would you have done it today? Is it different today? Is it like, what is it like? I think it has been completely flipped on its head and I think mostly for the good. So it used to be that you had to rely on these big companies in order to build your name and then build a following and then be able to capitalize on that later. Now, because you have social media and because you have OnlyFans, like you can build your brand online and then you can kind of dictate how risque or extreme you want to take it and then you can own all your content and self-produce on a freaking iPhone and post it on OnlyFans and again at the end of the day if you want to delete it you can there's girls making money in ski masks it's like so if you want to hide your face that's totally up to you that wasn't an option before like you couldn't show up to set with a ski mask and be like well I just don't want people to know my face Mm -hmm. but I still want to make a bunch of money and I still want to be able to like you know, explore my sexuality. No, they'd they'd send you home. Like that's not going to happen. So you have a lot more control right now. Um, and there's a lot more money to be made because you're not going through a third party and you don't have like these couple of companies that are just hoarding all of the profits. So if I were to start now, if I was like a younger woman now, I would be building myself up on social and then I would have my OnlyFans. I probably wouldn't show my face to be honest in all of it because there's, it's not because like a shame or a regret thing. It's just an acknowledgement of the reality of the world that we live in is you will close a ton of doors. So unless you are very entrepreneurial and you have this bigger vision and you know that you are never going to work for somebody else, then by all means go do it. But most people will have you sign this morality clause, whether you're, you know, a paramedic or you want to work at the police station or be a, a, a right teacher off like that will never happen. Um, 
um, as soon as they find out you had an OnlyFans, they can rightfully terminate you. So yes, I think that's backwards. And that doesn't leave any room for grace or evolution because the things that you do when you're 19, I hope you're not doing at 29, 39, 49. Um, but we don't allow space for that forgiveness. So recognizing that that's how society functions right now I yeah I would I would probably protect that a little bit more unless you have a, a bigger plan because again like you hear these numbers like 27 million or you see that one girl that's on impossible a lot she like made a million dollars in an hour mm -hmm. that's not the case for most people OnlyFans makes almost I think it's like 90% of their income comes from the top 10% of creators damn so if you're not in that number, you're not making anything more than if you were working at Target. So mm -hmm. you have to know those risks going in um, and just kind of be very calculated when you're making these decisions and kind of plan for the worst and hope for the best. Do you kind of look at it like that? Like, like you were saying, like, I hope the decisions like you're making at a certain age, like aren't the decisions you're making like, like a decade beyond that. Like, are, are there any times where you're like, like, don't know if you made the right decision or are you at peace with it? Or like, have you discovered like through spirituality, like different, like, cause I, even me with psychedelics, like I've learned so much about myself um, or just certain things that like, I want to stay to myself or whatever, um, or just opening your mind. But that's why I'm curious. Like, I'm curious, like as someone who's taken kind of like a spiritual route, like what you've kind of landed on in terms of, um, was this the right decision or is it okay? It's all part of the journey. Like, how do you look at it kind of thing? I think that with my, my life, I have always made the decision that was like true to myself at that time. And whether or not it was like the quote, right or wrong decision. I mean, where I'm at currently, and maybe it's just like my bias because I'm, I am fortunate. And I know there's like a huge amount of luck that kind of plays into, um, everyone's success. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if anything were to have changed, it's kind of like a, the butterfly effect, right? Like you don't really understand the gravity of that one small decision. It's like, I might not have my kids that I have right now. Exactly. I might not have my husband. I might not have all of like this free time that I can kind of have like the perks of being a stay at home mom, but also I get to kind of run my company and help um, with like some projects on the side and not invest as much time as a regular person would have to, to do those things because my name does give me some benefits in those fields. So I can't say that I regret anything or that I made a wrong decision, but I guess when you have that question pop up when you're making a decision or something that feels consequential, you have to ask, is this in alignment with who I am? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is yes, then you can make that decision fully knowing that um, you are being authentic and hopefully you don't have regret. Like I can honestly say I don't have any regrets in my entire life. Mm -hmm. And I hope that for everybody. So I think where regret comes in is when you make decisions that aren't aligned with your true self and maybe you're pressured into it or maybe um like you're trying to be somebody that you're not so again i think yeah. you get signs from like whether you want to call it god or the universe but like your intuition is there for a reason it's a very real thing and we're kind of taught to suppress it and ignore it or that it's like this woo woo mystical thing and it is but it's also very real i mean the yeah. cia trains people and specifically women on how to hone in on your intuition so if they think it's real then <laughs> There's, There's some merit there. to there. Tap, yeah. yeah. Tap yeah. into it. Mm -hmm. What would like, like kind of like reflecting back, like 
on like 20 year old version of yourself, like 20 year old Candace, like, why do you think like you felt and she felt like a pull into the industry? Like what, like, why were you curious about it? And like, what kind of, like of all the things um, that you were like, I want to try this. Like what, what about it to you kind of resonated with you at the time? Oh man, that's a really good question. And it's something like I talk with my husband about all the time. And did you watch that show? Um, look both ways. Is wait, look both ways. Which one? Yeah, it was on Netflix. Oh no, I haven't seen this. No. Okay. So, um, spoiler alert, but the premise essentially (laughs) is that no matter what route you take, you kind of end up in this parallel. Like it might Mm -hmm. not be identical, but a lot of the pieces are there. And essentially you're going to get everything eventually. It just might be in different orders. So I joke and we kind of went through my decision-making and my career path and all of that. And we're like, I feel like no matter what, I would have ended up naked. Like, <laughs> no matter what, I was going to get naked at some mm-hmm. point. It would. It's just like how I would have done it. <laughs> um, and part of that, you, you ask yourself how much of this is a choice, how much of this is um, choices being made for me given my environment and my experiences. And there's no real answer to that. So mm-hmm. my... My dad, um, I mean, he cheated on my mom a ton and Mm -hmm. he loved these beautiful women. Like I remember like seeing Pamela Anderson and Tara Patrick and Carmen Electra and just being like, wow, these women are superheroes. Like they have tapped into something and now they are gay. Like they're able to get the attention of my dad, right? Because that's like the most important person to you when you're a little girl. Mm -hmm. So they can do that. You know, what else can they do? So I associated probably subconsciously the idea of like owning your sexual, your sexuality as a superpower in order to like get things that you wanted. It is kind of a superpower though. Like it that is, is it's, true, you know, it is. Like, and it's tapped like, into something. You get to decide how you use it though, right? Yeah. Which we were not teaching women. We're like, no, it's this. And a lot of them mm. can like weaponize it. So like, there's this divine expression of femininity. And then there's also like sex uh, weaponizing your sexuality. Like those are kind of two sides of the same coin. Um, But yeah, so my dad had kind of put an emphasis on attractive women. My mom was always like overtly sexual in how she dressed and presented herself. So like that was my role model. Um, She had done some modeling when I was younger. So like that was kind of accepted in my household. And unfortunately, I think the way that I initially took it was so much of your worth is based on your outward expression and like mm-hmm. how pretty people think that you are, or how desirable you are. Um, so I think that and it's going to be, it's going to be a joke, but it's almost like you're trying to get your dad's approval through male approval. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know that's that like that textbook, is, you know, like textbook. Yeah. it's like embarrassing. It's so cliche, <laughs> but um, I think that kind of like the stars aligned and I also I don't know. Like I, I dated the same guy for like seven years and I was very shy, not sexually experienced at all. I had a lot of shame around it probably because like we tried to not be like our parents. So it was like a a form Mm -hmm. of rebellion. Like my mom was like this overtly sexual creature. And I was like, no, not doing that. And then as I got older, I realized like I was denying this entire side of me because we all have sexuality and I wanted to explore it. So I thought the way that I wanted to do that was through adult film. Mm -hmm. Damn. That's like a very bold 
choice. And do you feel like it was because like the pendulum kind of swung this way? So it was kind of like a repression here. So you like kind of like really went into your sexuality versus like um, people that may have had like a more like gradual like introduction into sexuality like that don't choose like adult film or whatever. Like what, why, why do you think like it was that choice? I think for me, I think it's a combination of things. I think part of it was like, yes, I never, I suppressed that side of me for so long and I didn't have someone to talk to about it. So like that was all bubbling below the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that part of my personality is more comfortable on the outskirts versus like in with the group. So it's going to sound weird, but it almost was less um, anxiety provoking to do something like adult film than to like go hook up with random guys at a bar. Like that would give mm-hmm. me more anxiety. Um, interesting. Fe- That's very I interesting. I feel like I'm but I can more see that like, as well. Like that kind of like perspective, like lens, you know? Well, yeah. So my dad was a cop too. So I have always had like anxiety about like getting murdered. Like, you know what I mean? Like high, high alert all of the time, like check, yeah. check your surroundings, which you should do. But I feel like my preparation started to lean more towards like paranoia at some point in my mm-hmm. life. Um, so like rebalancing that has, has also been really important, like through my journey. But um, I mean, there is a personality type that like we seek external validation and we're like a performer and like you want the lights and the cameras on you. And that was also part of who I was. Mm -hmm. So like I wanted that attention. And I think combined with like my quote daddy issues, Mm -hmm. it kind of like set me up to like, okay, well, you're going to do adult film. You're not going to do regular film, but we're going to, you know, sexualize it and put you over here. But there is a lot of, a lot of crossover. Like I said earlier in the podcast, like it's not as taboo, um, when you're in Hollywood and filming out in LA, but yeah, I think the stars aligned and part of it was just like who I came into this world as. Yeah. When, when, when you say part of it was what, it, who I came into this world as, is that kind of like the implication of like, I was meant to be like naked kind of thing. Do you think that was like a part of who you were by nature? Or what do you, what do you mean by that? For sure. I think we all have, we all have our own obstacles that we're supposed to overcome. Like, during mm-hmm. this life. And I think that that's going to be different for everybody. And I think my, my part of my challenge and part of my journey and part of like the abundance that I have is like, it was exploring that sexuality and was to kind of be um, like out there for it. Right. Like <laughs> on the rims yeah. of society, like I'm right there where like the, most people are like, that's not okay. You can't do that. And I'm just kind of flirting with that line of what's acceptable and not acceptable. And again, like that's, that's just who I, who I am. I've never had like huge groups of friends. I moved around a ton. So, um, I ended up becoming more comfortable by myself than with other people. And I think that the industry and anyone that kind of gets into, um, acting or performing, we kind of all have that in common where we're kind of like looking for that validation from our peers, but we're not necessarily comfortable inside that group. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like, um, like, oh, fuck, wait, let me collect my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> um, also you're like the sweetest, like ever, like you're so like, you have such a like radiant energy to you. Thank you. It's very like, you have like a very wholesome, like vibe to you, which is like very, like, I just like it. I think it's really nice. Thank you. You're very, very sweet. Like, oh, I, I mean it though. Um, what was like for you, like, I guess, cause this is so like 
like foreign to me, but like the first day, like, or like, what was like your experience kind of like first going into like your first like guy girl shoot, or it could be the girl girl shoot, but like, I've, I'm assuming like the guy girl to you was like more significant or what was it like doing like your first shoot? So the first one was a girl girl and that was awful. The girl was so mean to me. Didn't want to help me out. Are at you all. serious? So mean. And I was so nervous. I'd never been with a girl before. Like I'd made out with a girl, but I'd never been with a girl before. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was super nervous and I was, I've never been on film and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And she just couldn't be bothered. So I was like, well, mm-hmm. this is going to be great. And I was like, well, I'm never going to be like that. If I ever, you know, make it quote, quote, make it, I'm never going to be like that on set. Like I yeah. don't want to make someone feel uncomfortable. Like that's not cool at all. Um, I What is so interesting is my first boy girl, you would think that, you know, based off of the critiques of the industry that I was just there, I was just, you know, a, a meat sack and I'm just selling myself and it's this horrible transactional thing. Uh, the guy that I was working with, I had met his wife like two weeks before at a convention and she was so sweet. And she's like, if you have any questions, let me know. And to me, this was challenging so many conceptions I had about relationships. I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. She knows I'm going to go have sex with her husband on on camera. And she's like this radiant, bubbly, like just happy to help person. No jealousy whatsoever. And I'm like, wait, you can choose not to be jealous. Like mm-hmm. that's a decision. <laughs> so that was really cool. Like I feel like that kind of cracked like an old like version of me in that moment. And then when we went to have our scene, he introduced um, himself to me after hair and makeup. And he's like, he's like, what can I do to make you feel comfortable? Is there anything that you don't want to do? Like going through my, um, like my likes and dislikes. And he's like, if you need to stop at any point, like you can yell cut. Like he was like giving me um, like my confidence essentially. Yeah. I didn't and know. Power like, you don't want as well. Totally. Right. Yeah. Like he's like, I'm here to help. What can I do to make you feel comfortable? So just like very aware, very caring. And I mean, I've been with dudes in my real life that didn't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like they Mm -hmm. wouldn't have asked me. They didn't care about my pleasure or like my level of comfort. So again, challenging a pre-held notion that I had before I went in. So my girl-girl scene was awful. Very stressful. My first boy-girl scene was perfect. Like it could not have been better. Like he was a total gentleman. Yeah. What like doing like having never had sex with a girl and then doing it for the first time taped that's that's a big ask of somebody like how did you even did you like were you like studying up before on like how to do this or like (laughs) I I wouldn't even know like how to like because seriously like that's a the first time having sex with a girl it's taped like that's a pretty rare experience super rare and I don't know how I didn't think it was a bigger deal than it was like for some reason um, I love that though it's just like you're just (laughs) fucking going with it I just went with it yeah (laughs) Yeah. I had no idea but now I'm like how did I have the balls to do that Mm -hmm. I have no idea um I did watch some films so I had an idea of what did well and didn't do well on camera but I mean I was just going based off of like my experience as the recipient right Mm -hmm. so it's like okay so what would I do if I was the dude in this situation and just tried to kind of channel that but I think the reason uh, my first few scenes actually did really well especially considering the circumstances is that kind of trepidatious nervous um not really sure where I'm stepping 
energy translated yeah, and a innocence. lot of guys yeah, yeah and they're like oh my god this is amazing yeah <laughs> so it worked yeah. out for me for sure but yeah just watching and then just going based off of what I had known yeah I think like your like kind of vibe like in the industry was like the cute like girl next door kind of girl like so guys probably loved the like I don't know what I'm doing like <laughs> they probably loved it so much because I really didn't like it was yeah. not an act I really had no yeah. idea what I was doing that's like great authenticity honestly like to to see like mm-hmm. just in in like any sort of like media honestly but yeah, yeah. and I think that's the key to success with like anything right is mm-hmm. if you're being authentic so it's yeah. the moment that you try to replicate someone else or you know again be in disalignment with who you are it's gonna be a lot harder to achieve your goals yeah no I've I've definitely like experienced that here or or see people in the industry where I feel like they hit like a cap just because they're like just basically like just trying to be like every other famous person and it's just like that's just not how like no one responds well to it you know people want to see like a real person Mm -hmm. Did, did you like experience like um or I guess like meeting other girls in the industry like what was kind of like the dynamic or like the politics with that like did girls ever were girls ever like extremely like jealous of you or like shut you out or like kind of how did you kind of like navigate that world as well so I guess again being more comfortable on the outside than with the like a peer group that kind of worked in my um in my favor I kind of stuck to my stuff myself most of the industry I had a couple friends most of the time it ends up badly for some reason women in my experience don't play well together like the, we see each other as competition, which is so unfortunate because I truly believe like a rising tide raises all ships. Mm-hmm. And I've always tried to be a mentor, especially when when younger performers reach out. I try to, you know, give them my experience, hopefully learn from my mistakes and give them any advice if they're asking. Um, but that is not the general attitude or energy in there. It's just very competitive. And I think that's partially because old school film, like there was only so many companies and so many scenes that were being shot a week. So you're like, well, if um, I'm not the best, then so-and-so is going to get booked. And she's taking that that scene away from me. She's mm-hmm. taking that money away from me. In actuality, it's not like that, right? So it's like there's a huge scarcity mindset within, I think, a lot of us. I don't think this is just the industry or this is just women. I think this is a lot of us. We struggle with thinking that there's only so many slices of pie instead of realizing like you can just bake another one, right? Like Mm -hmm. abundance. Um, So that mentality kind of affected the relationships. Like no one really wanted to help each other. Girls kind of could be really catty. Um, There wasn't a lot of like real, like real substance behind those relationships. I hope that with OnlyFans and other um, platforms like that will change the attitudes and people realize that collaborating can actually make both people more money Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, like doing shout outs with each other and truly wanting success for other people because that's, that's like enlightenment. That's an elevation in who you were and who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I went in, it was just so traditional that it was these are the amount of scenes and everyone was kind of at odds with each other, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I certainly see that like in a little bit in the modeling industry, but, um, still like, I feel like girls, like maybe nowadays, I feel like it's not cool to be like a hater. I've noticed that online, which is kind of nice, but, um, it's, I think it's becoming more of like, 
girl power now, hopefully, at least like in my, in my experience, which has been nice, which is good. That's refreshing to hear. Yeah. You want like, hopefully everyone does a little bit better than you did, right? Like every generation is, is improving is at least the, should be the goal for humanity. Yeah. You, you were mentioning earlier, um, that your first like kind of videos like did well or blew up or, um, whatever, like what, how did, did that kind of like, um, like launch you into the, the porn world? Like how, how did you like create like a big name for yourself? And then at what age, um, or what time throughout the the time period, like, uh, or the timeline did people start, um, including your family start to like notice that you were doing this? So I think that you can't discount luck. I think that everyone has totally. to, yeah, like yeah. sometimes there's like this inexplicable X factor, which is why maybe certain things turn out the way that they do. The scenes did do really well. And again, like that's not necessarily me. Like that was just how I performed and like the viewer's response to it. And who knows mm-hmm. why any of that happened? Cause I just showed up being myself and again, didn't mm-hmm. really go in there super confident. Cause I had no idea what I was doing. And yeah. then this girl was so mean to me that I was like, okay, well I'm just <laughs> going to try to make the best out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think treating it like a business was huge for me. So I had always kind of stayed away from a lot of the drama. I lived on the East Coast. I showed up on time. I, you know, did my job and I left. Like I was like easy peasy to work with. And I feel like that that worked out in my favor as well. Um, I think probably... My, I mean, my family found out really soon because, again, those scenes, they really did blow up. So they were mm-hmm. everywhere. And then I was doing conventions. And I remember I did a convention that was on um, – it was on TV. And then m- one of my mom's friends had seen it and sent it to her. The video and or you at the convention? You, Me at the convention. And then my mom went on a rabbit hole and then found all the videos. Damn. So that sucked because she was not happy at all. Um, you were like 21 like, at that time. I think I was 19. No, no. So this was had to be before my scene, actually. It was at the pretty close to the beginning. I think like mm-hmm. maybe my first girl girl had just come out. So yeah, like right around 21. For some reason, I thought it was earlier. But yeah, right around 21. And she was livid. Um I don't have a relationship with my dad, as we mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. So like, <laughs> neither do I, don't know I also, if that makes is. you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what's really funny. So I'm part Japanese and my grandma is like mm-hmm. old school Jap, like comes from old school money, very traditional, like proper reserved Japanese woman. And she had found out and that was actually my fault. So <laughs> I had an Amazon list and it was like my fan account. Mm-hmm. And I went to send her flowers. So they came addressed her my stage name. And oh. my little old grandma knew how to Google. So she Googled and she left me this voicemail because I didn't pick up because I was terrified because I love her so much. And I'm like, if she leaves me, I'm going to be devastated. And she's like, so I just want to make sure that, you know, you're safe and you're happy and if everything's okay and uh, just call me back. Wasn't phased. And I was like, what? Whoa. Interesting. If this like 80 plus year old Japanese woman mm-hmm. is okay with this and no one else has an excuse. Like no yeah. one has an excuse to be cruel to me. Yeah. Um, because if you want to talk about like cultural and societal norms, this is way outside of the scope of what should be accepted for her generation. And she is just so okay with it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she came at it with like love and acceptance. Um, is this so, yeah. Your- 
your mom's mom? My dad's mom. Your dad's mom. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're saying like no cruelty. Did you experience some cruelty as well? Yeah, I think um, anytime someone sends an explicit video of me to like a family member or okay. to someone that's dating a family member, like I think that's cruel. I think mm-hmm. um, someone like smearing your name around town, I think that's cruel. I think... I know I'm going to experience it with my children, like the dynamics between, you know, other families. And I, I hope it's not bad, but I don't want to be naive enough to say it's not going to be. So I know that's going to be probably one of the most challenging things for me to go through my whole life because Mm -hmm. it's the most heartbreaking thing to know that you're going to be the source of their pain. Yeah. Right. And I just have to help them navigate it and um, hope that that's going to help make them a stronger person at the end of it. But that sucks. Um, And then online, it's inescapable. I don't think that this is exclusive to me or people with big platforms, but it's almost like Twitter and Instagram and even YouTube bring out some really awful people. And because they're not saying it to you in person and there's not that – empathy or social intelligence that's kind of being exchanged like they kind of see how mean and how outrageous they can be so like whether they're calling you fat or too thin or ugly or picking out something that they hate about your face they're like evil like literally evil yeah so evil and I don't think we give enough weight to what those comments can do I mean people you know people get depressed because of it people can kill themselves because of it um there, there's a real life consequence to being cruel to somebody and it's like if you could be anything why are you choosing to be that yeah people mm-hmm. don't have like i've i've tried like i've said that speech so many times and i've i've come to the conclusion that like no matter how many like big celebrities reach out on this topic like people have so much just like unfulfillment in their life and that will never truly go away no matter how long we progress and like evolve I don't think and so there'll always be kind of anger within us for a large group of us and it's I think it's now just dealing with it like that's my opinion like I don't think we'll ever get rid of mean comments I wish we could like convince everyone to be nice but it's just I don't think it's a reality unfortunately for us you know no it's definitely not a reality I don't think either Mm -mm. yeah um, what was like, um, we also like, you can like, tell me like your restrictions. I know, like, I just want to make sure everything's like, you're like cool with everything. Oh, but, I appreciate um, it. Okay. Um, I'm curious, like what it was like, like kind of telling your dad or like him finding out, um, I, I don't talk to my dad either. So I like, I understand. And I like, you don't need them honestly at the end of the day. Um, truly. So what was like that kind of um reveal from him was it around the same time that your mom found out I don't even know if he knows oh I mean, I'm sure he okay. I'm sure he knows but yeah I can't imagine he doesn't but um you yeah, quit we, communication before that kind of thing yeah we okay. stopped talking like when I was like 16 okay oh damn all right yeah mm-hmm. okay. and I don't know like I think as an adult you don't need yeah you don't need your parents it's like a great perk mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And if you can like even just solve that whatever tension within yourself, I think you're in a great space. But when it happens when you're young and like you're still in that era of like needing to be looked after and guided, I think that that has the potential for horrible consequences. Mm-hmm. And it just sucks. It's like you made the decision to bring 
this life into the world. And it is your responsibility to shepherd that life. And I don't think anything else should take precedent over that. And it's, you know, that saying a lot of our parents probably said, which is like, you'll see when you're a parent, right? Yeah. Like kind of justifying their shortcomings. Yeah. I find the opposite. And I say this to my husband all the time. I'm like, now that I'm a parent, I don't understand even more. Yeah. Like I, now I really don't understand how you could walk away. Like now I really don't understand how you could like be abusive. Now, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like these things are kind of amplified because I look at my kids and I'm like, there is nothing that would cause me to behave in X, Y, Z. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, that's really confusing. That sounds to me just like pure manipulation on your dad's part. If that's what he was saying to you, if there was like aspects of abuse and stuff like that, like, well, you'll see when you have a kid, it's like, well, not everyone's doing that. Like, that's just like not the reality. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry to hear that. That's, that's tough. Um, Mm -hmm. are your, are your parents still together or no? Oh no, no, no. They divorced when I was five. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Where do, where do your, where do you say like where you're from? I live in North Carolina now, but I kind of, I moved around a ton. So like born mm-hmm. in California, spent some time in upstate New York, went to school in South Carolina and now yeah. in North Carolina. Okay. Awesome. Um, slight segue, but I'm curious, like the, um, like what, like are like the benefits, like the, like the kind of like life altering moments that have happened to you because of like adult film and like becoming this kind of like name and becoming this kind of girl like what were kind of like the most like the times that you got to relish within it the most oh man um I would say probably when I was still shooting for mainstream and just being able to, I guess, like use your name um, to like get in places is really exciting when you're mm-hmm. young. Um, building that brand now has kind of presented opportunities with certain investors. Um, again, for like this decentralized platform that we're tr- kind of trying to entertain. So the idea that I kind of had a bumpy journey in the adult industry, but like stuck through it and kind of made it my own now can potentially benefit, you know, younger women coming in. Like that feels really mm-hmm. awesome mm-hmm. because it's like, well, if I, I went through all of this and now you don't have to, and that's yeah. really fulfilling. Um, but yeah, I would say that. And then it gave me the opportunity to challenge my beliefs on, on relationships and romantic relationships and even myself. So again, when it comes to like jealousy and this idea of possessiveness um, and anger and ego, like I don't know that I would have learned those lessons as quickly or as thoroughly if I didn't have such like a stark contrast. Like if I Mm -hmm. wasn't in an environment where it was like so painfully obvious. So um, again, I think because everything is so magnified because it it is an extreme industry, regardless of like what kind of performer you are, you're faced with these challenges at a much more obvious level. And I think that that gives you the opportunity to fix it more than someone that's maybe in like that mundane middle. And you're like, well, I can kind of coast through this. This is fine. This is a healthy amount of anger, a healthy amount of jealousy, and I don't have to tackle it. But when it's, you know, mm-hmm. quite literally your wife is having sex on camera, like what now, what do you do? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I'm a much more gentler, easygoing, calm person for all of it. 
if this was something like your like kids grew up and they were like, I want to do this as well. Like, what would your stance be on that? Would you like say like what like, yeah, what would your what would you what's your opinion on that? So I think my answer. So I have two boys. I think the answer would probably be the same even if I had two girls. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as a parent, your hope is that your child does better than you in every mm-hmm. single facet. Like they are a better person, better, better parent, better um, partner, Healthier, stronger. Right, yeah. like you want them to be like you 2.0. Mm-hmm. So for me, I made a lot of decisions that I think were right for me, but I hope aren't right for them. Like I hope that we give them an environment where we, um, we nourish their curiosities and their curiosities go beyond sexuality. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like for me, that was my peak curiosity at one point. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I think that had I grown up in a more stable environment, like mm-hmm. I, it might've been something else. And there are risks associated with going into sex work. And for me, I would like them to be in a a less risky line of work, um, a less socially isolating line of work. Cause there is a lot of pain that comes with that decision. So I think we want all of our kids to avoid that as much as possible. So I would say, why is it that you feel that's what you want to do and mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, just work through that with them. And at the end of the day, it's their decision and I'm going to love them no matter what, but I'm going to try to guide them into exploring other curiosities. Yeah. If like now looking back, like what do you think um, like young Candace like would have done? Like what were some of your interests like just naturally like that you like always like kind of caught your attention? I've always loved like dissecting people, like trying to understand what makes them tick. Mm-hmm. Um, psychology has always been really fascinating to me. So I feel like I would have done something. I mean, podcasts didn't exist back then. Right. But yeah, literally I feel like it would have, right. Like, cause it, that's so that's interesting too. It's like, there's going to be all of these jobs that are going to be present when my kids are entering the workforce that aren't here now. So like to say what they're going to do is we can't even fathom that. Um, but yeah, I feel like I probably would have done something along podcasting, like just like discussing things or if back in the day it would have been like daytime TV. There was still Wait, part of me that really wanted to be like a performer, but I think it would have been it's, more it's, on an intellectual it's level out. versus like a sexual level. Sorry about that. Continue. We got cut out for a second and now we're back on. Yeah, no problem. So I think we were talking about curiosities. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Other things that I would have probably explored would have been something in psychology. Like I've always really enjoyed talking to people and really understanding what makes people tick and why they do the things that they did. I started taking psych courses at college psych courses while I was still in high school. So I was like really interested and excelled at that. And I feel like we tend to excel at things we're interested in. So I think I still would have had some kind of aspect of like film or being filmed, whether that was eventually a podcast or like some kind of show, but like there was that performer side of me that I would have still needed to feed. Um, But I think it would have been more in an intellectual way versus like a sexual performance. Yeah. You could have done like, like hosting even. I mean, I guess like what you do now um, is like a great blend of the two Mm -hmm. and, and you control all the content, which is, which is great. Right. Um, What's kind of like your, what's your podcast called? And like, what's kind of the theme of it? 
So the podcast is called Chatting with Candace. There's not really a theme other than exploring curiosities, um, having like thought leaders on challenging pre-held beliefs um, and just trying to really establish a critical thinking in people. So why do I think the things that I think? Why is this wrong? Why is this acceptable? And just like really challenge you to kind of create and like self-illustrate your life intentionally. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's Thanks. great. I, I, I see like, um, I, I love that you have like a genuine like curiosity for people. Cause I don't think that's, I feel like that's very far and few between and it's not something people can like, like they can develop it, but I feel like it's for the most part, like something that you were probably instinctually born with, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. Yeah. I think so too. And I think that that's how we, you know, come together. It might, it's like a little bit kumbaya but I think when you really take the time to sit down with somebody and understand like their story and why they think or do the things that they do, it's a lot more humanizing. And because yeah. everything is done right now in a digital space, like we're losing that human element, which is why everyone is so cruel to each other. So it's just kind of reestablishing Um, Like you can still show up as a good person and maybe you have like these ideas about this person I'm bringing on the podcast and you think that they're a terrible person because of X, Y, Z. And I'm here to challenge that. Being like, okay with being in the industry, I feel like for so many people looks like so different. Like, like I have some friends that are still currently in it that are like truly like in love with it almost like they, they really like have a passion and want to get like as high as far as they can go with like Mm -hmm. OnlyFans and then doing some like Pornhub videos, um, Mm -hmm. from, from what they've told me. And then I've, I've met some girls that like, don't are like ashamed of videos that have been posted, but like did very well for themselves. And like, really like they wouldn't be where they are today without that, you know, and wouldn't be making the money they are today without that. So what, like to you does like being okay with it look like, like, is it like total kind of acceptance and peace Is it like, have you reflected and like have certain opinions changed or like, what is it for you specifically? I think being at peace with whatever you're doing is a huge indicator of, of success, whether it's you as a parent or a daughter or a mother or, um, whatever your role is. So being at peace, I think is a huge like barometer to, Mm -hmm. to pay attention to, um, I think if you have regret over scenes and there's some huge names that do, and they still cry when they talk about it, Mm -hmm. like you got to work through that. And in order, it it sounds, there's this thing that I saw going around. It's called like unforgiving. And I couldn't be more against something if I tried, (laughs) like I just, I couldn't. So there's a big difference between forgiving something or someone or an action or an event than saying that's okay. Like those things are not, mutually exclusive. So like you can forgive somebody for abusing you, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not saying it's okay. That's for yourself. That's not for the other person. That forgiveness that you're doing is not for the other person. And I think that that's so important to understand. I think if you're holding on to something bad that happened to you, that you're doing yourself a disservice and you're, that's going to weigh, it's going to weigh on your soul. It's going to weigh on your body. You're probably going to end up getting sick in some kind of way or depressed or whatever happens. Um, And again, it's not to say that whatever behavior or action happened against you is okay or should be tolerated, but it's just like come to peace with it. And however you find that, whether it's through psychedelics or through therapy or through deep meditation, like there's so many ways that you can get that resolution. Um, But I would say like that should be paramount. 
before yeah. you do anything else because it's going to it's like this like really dark fog that's going to kind of follow you and like taint everything else that you're touching. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And one narrative I see is if someone has a really bad experience within the industry and then they're vocal about it is the people that are still in the industry attacking them. And we all have different experiences just because your experience was perfect and you had never been mistreated or mishandled does not mean that they had that same experience. Yeah. And they're like, well, they shouldn't be using their stage name anymore. And it's like, well, why not? Yeah. It's like if they, why if, not? Yeah. If it's true, if they were abused on set or if they were manipulated in any way, like let's say they had a really horrible experience for the short time that they were in, mm -hmm. you could argue that the industry took a lot from them. So the least that they can do is take their name in order to take their followers, in order to like move on to something else. Yeah. So I think that's kind of jealousy rearing its ugly head. And I think that you have to acknowledge that just because um, you were fortunate enough to never be in a bad situation, that's not the case for everybody. Yeah, I, I completely, I don't think there's anything wrong with taking your stage name. That's like, no. that just makes, it makes more sense. Like in a you built brand, it. yeah, in a marketing sense, just that argument alone could win that. Um, what would be like your kind of like advice or like guidance and wisdom to girls? Because now it's so mainstream and like sex work is so mainstream. And it's like, I was watching this like thing, I think it was on TikTok or YouTube. I can't remember. And it was like talking about how like 20 years ago, like sex was so like hidden and kind of in the closet. And like, they, we know we, we didn't talk about it. And then now it's just like in the forefront. It is like our media completely. So it definitely has a bigger kind of pull to it. I think as it, as it ever has, because it's so widely accepted and like people that you've like looked up to have only fans and, and things like that. It's not just exclusively adult film stars. Now it's like bad baby, or it's like, I'm trying to think who even else has only fans, but like a, a lot of people have only fans. So um, what would be like your kind of advice to girls that are looking to get into kind of like sex work or adult film, like what would you like from a truthful standpoint of like your experience, like what would you advise them against or like, what would you like prepare them for? And like, what would you basically say? So I would say know why you're getting in. If it's like strictly for fame and money, I don't think that those are good reasons. I think you have to say, um, like there's like an authentic pull to who you are right now. I think that you also have to be very okay with the potential and likely consequences of that decision. So really sitting with that, like feeling that, feeling your mom never talking to you again, because that's a possibility. Feeling that you can never get hired by, you know, a regular job, because that's a possibility. And after you walk through all of those and you are okay with that being a possibility, like, you know, making two grand to five grand a month off of this, like not millions of dollars and not being super famous. You know what I mean? Not being um, like dating NBA stars and going on the tabloids because of that, like just like being right in the middle and like making regular people money. Would you still want to do that? And if the answer is yes, and if it's truly yes, then by all means, like dive in, go do your thing. Like I think that the woman female body is like a beautiful thing. And I don't think there should be shame around that. And however you want to express that sexuality, I think is, is beautiful. 
But I do think that you have to be honest with yourself and your environment. And it's not like you can't blame anybody and you can't say, well, it's like, fuck them if they don't want to hire me or, you know, I don't need my family. I don't need my friends. Like, no, that's, it's going to be painful if you're honest. So again, just like know why you're doing it and then understand the possible consequences before you do it. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I think that's fair. And I think a lot of like, what's your stance on like, um, people that like, cause this is coming from my own curiosity of someone who like really knows the industry and like knows, like kind of like been started it, like that you've kind of like come out the other end and like you do, like you have only fans, but you do like a, a bunch of other things. Like what's like your stance on, on people who like, like, is it true? Like that you can be like kind of built for this industry, like that you have like some sort of like, um, kind of like you like I've I've a, I guess the reason why I ask is I have a friend who um says to me like she she really believes like she was supposed to be in this industry and like that she can do it like that there's some people that can't do it and like she believes that like her sexuality is like so open that like she could do this job I don't know if I'm articulating this properly but no, um, totally but I I've always been curious like if that's like as someone who also chose like a similar path, like, is that like, like real? Like, do you believe that like you can, and you've said similar things about the podcast. That's why I asked like of that. You can kind of just be like born, like able to do it or like you, it doesn't bother you and it actually empowers you. Like, do you think that notion's true or false? I think for some people, it's absolutely true. I think some people kind of again, like are more comfortable being that provocateur or like Mm -hmm. living that kind of outlaw cowboy lifestyle. And like, that's where they thrive. Um, They want to be a personality and have the lights and cameras on them. And I think that's great. I think um, for some people that's not true. And again, they get into it for the wrong reasons. But I mean, if you're excited and like you've walked through all this stuff and you're like, no, I just like, I know that's what I want to do because that's how it was for me. I'm like, I know that's what I want to do. I didn't think about the consequences because I was very young and I was like, no, no one does. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what I would do now, but um, yeah, I think if you feel like that pull and you've like sat with it, I think absolutely. And some people have more resilience, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, they aren't as affected by negative comments or, you know, those social fallouts that I, I talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. And if that's you, then, you know, by all means go for it. Because I think when you make these decisions, the whole point is to not live without regret. And it comes back down to being authentic to who you are in this moment. And if it is, then, you know, lead with that, like always go with your authenticity. And if that's what you feel like, you're the only one that knows, like you can't measure that. That's not something that you can write down pros and cons. It's like that it kind of is intuition is like, who am I? Like, what does who, who, what decisions do the person, does the person that I am make? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. Is this like a, a, a slight random question, but I, I forgot to ask earlier, what were some of the rates in within the porn world? Like what's like a kind of, what was the most money you could make? How much money did you make webcamming as well? Like curious about the actual numbers. And then also you don't have to say specifics with OnlyFans, but like, how has that, um, how has that changed with OnlyFans? 
So this is the wild part. And then this part always blows everybody's minds because there's this illusion that like everyone is multimillionaires and like very glamorous within, within the industry. I thought that too going in. Um, so if you're an average girl with like no following, doesn't matter how beautiful you are, how great you perform, like you just don't have the traffic behind you anywhere from like $400 to $600 okay. a scene when you're getting started. Um, a lot of bigger names when I was still shooting, were getting paid like a thousand to $1,200 a scene. And some of the top performers and they were like labeled the diva divas for it. We're getting probably closer to 3000 okay. a scene. Um, but there was like maybe a handful of people that were doing that three number. And if you did a showcase, you could get a lot more money, but that's kind of like a one-off. So like those scenes might be a lot, like the highest I'd ever been paid for a scene was like close to 20 grand. Yeah. Um, but you don't ever get that again. It's like yeah. one and done. You don't have the royalties. Like you're not making money off the DVDs or streaming or anything. Like it's mm -hmm. one and done. You can never do it again. So, um, and that's like unheard of, like mm -hmm. unheard of. I say that number and some people don't believe me. I'm like, I have no reason to lie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the range. The guys is pretty similar. Um, like they're around like the $800 range, but it's not, it's not life-changing money by any means. Mm -hmm. So if you're a normal performer and you're only getting a couple hundred bucks, I used to be a waitress at Hooters in like a beach college town. I'd pull 800 cash, uh, yeah. a shift. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that actually really helped me because I would go to set and they're like, oh, your rate is going to be $800 for today. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> They're like, well, excuse me. Like, that's the set. And I was like, I can go home and make this sling and chicken wings. I'm not yeah. going to do that. And then people are like, she's such a diva. Then you should just go like, home, blah, blah, yeah. blah. I'm like, you don't get to tell me what I'm getting paid to do this. That's also like not a diva. That's just like a diva. Like, that is not the definition of like what a diva is. That's just no. someone who has like some sort of intelligence, like, sorry. and boundaries. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. It's like we all have different boundaries and you can't, you know, superimpose yours onto yeah. mine. Like that's not how this works. Um, so I think that actually was my saving grace a lot. And then with webcamming, that was crazy back in the day. I knew girls that were doing like 50 grand a month off yeah. of webcamming. Um, that was not me. I was not built for webcamming. I don't have the patience <laughs> for it. If someone like is popping off or asking for something wild, I don't entertain it. So that was okay. not my personality. <laughs> yeah. I was way too disagreeable for that. <laughs> yeah. I knew girls that were doing like 40 or 50 grand a month, yeah. um, which back then was stupid money. Like yeah. porn girls were like, oh my God, that's crazy. I can't believe I'm doing porn for this. And she's eating pizza in her living room doing this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then OnlyFans came... And I think most performers that already had a following, like you can expect to do, you know, anywhere from 500,000 to like the millions a year. Um, yeah. And they were like, whole, like we had never had that opportunity to make that kind of money. Like we were told we were worth $800 one and done, not, yeah. you know, like a recurring stable revenue of like loyal fans that actually like want to support you, get to know you um, and like join you for your, for your journey throughout your career. So it, it's a very big shift in perspective when OnlyFans launched. So I think it really saved a lot of people. Yeah. What was the the job that was $20,000? Like what warranted that price? 
So that was my um, my tushy showcase. So it was What's like that? an all anal and like DP. <laughs> so it. it was like very for me. I went out with like a a bang. <laughs> was that like the last one of the last things you did? Was that that was my last thing I did? Oh, that was your last like actually last. Wow, you really yeah. did go out with a bang. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I was so terrified, but I was like, I'm going to do this. And then um, I didn't particularly like how that director like handled the showcase. I was promised all of these things that never came to fruition. So that was like one of the little hints that I was like, I need to get out because it's just I'm having too many interactions with like unsavory characters and I just don't want to be around it. Wow. Um, Thank you so much for coming (laughs) on this podcast. You're so sweet. Like you're so lovely. And you are too. Oh, thank you. You really are. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, And if, do you want to plug like any, any of your stuff, um, like where they can find you if any, like for people that want to keep up with Candace, um, this is where to do. I'll also have all of Candace's um, information in the description as well. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, you can find the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts or chatting with Um, I'm probably not launching like the next season until after the holidays. Cause I took some time off during maternity leave. So like you can catch up on old episodes right now, uh, that has all my socials for Candace. And then my, the place I spend the most time is probably my Twitter and that's fall in Lovia. Um, you actually have to type it in because I'm shadow banned because I guess I'm too <laughs> controversial. So it won't pop up if you just like search for me. Um, but yeah, those are my socials and my podcast. And yeah, thank you so much for having me on. This was an amazing conversation.